I understand what it's like to literally hate where you're at, to be stuck, to feel broken, to just want to give up, to just want to take the quick fix, take the pill and get on with your life. And I know also the work that it takes to truly take massive ownership over everything in your life and to do the work in order to heal and create the life and the health that you truly want for yourself. And that's the biggest thing that has created an incredible self-trust and confidence with myself. Because if I'm able to do that, what else can I not do in my life? Hey guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever going to experience packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now, $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference, click the link, register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. Where did you come from and where did you go to do all this work on yourself? Like, where were you at and where are you at now? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of self-hatred, uh, a lot of uh, lack of self-love, Ooh. a lot of um, putting my self-worth and everything outside of me. Mm. Where I'm at now today is really a truly authentic place of self-trust and self-confidence. Maybe you can elaborate yeah. on outside of you. What does that mean? What did you value other people's opinions of you? I think, you know, most of us go throughout life pretty unconscious, which conscious meaning that, you know, we're really on autopilot. Um, we have certain beliefs that we carry that really were developed when we were growing up. And we've been taught that who we are, identity comes from everything outside of us. So it, I am my body. I am how much money I make. I am my achievements. I am, you know, the quality of my relationship. That's who I am. So we spend most of our life hustling for our worthiness, hustling for achievement in these different areas. And we never really find fulfillment. And I think that's a big part of illness. Ultimately it's external searching at the core. How did your life change when you found Rachel? Um, do you think right? the people found you more like, I don't mean this in a physical sense, but like the law of attraction was attracting more people or you were getting more admiration from people in the sense of like they were appreciating you for who you are because you were being more of yourself. Do I think people were appreciating me more for me for being myself? I, I think there's de a definite yes, because energetically, right. We definitely shift when we're operating from a place of true authenticity and true self-trust and true self-confidence. And that's very, very attractive in somebody else. And sometimes we can't always put words to it. Um, but it's something that's very alluring. We are drawn to that type of energy. Um, it's captivating versus often when we're operating from a place of lack, a place of a deficit, right? It's, it's really not true confidence. It's egoic confidence in a way where it can be easily taken from you 
based off of, okay, so one day I feel really great in my body. The next day I don't, or someone said something bad about me and now I'm trusting what they say about me. And I'm actually, you know, choosing to believe what they think of me more than what I think of me or even what God thinks of me. And so it's, it's very an egoic place of confidence. And when we operate from that place too, I think what's interesting is our confidence can go up or down also based off of the achievement of other people in our life. And this is how a lot of people operate, right? So if I meet somebody and a lot of my sense of worth comes from my body and my image, and I meet someone who's better looking than me based off of my opinion, right? What happens to my confidence? It goes down. Or I meet somebody who I would say is less attractive than me. What happens to my confidence? It's up. I feel better about myself. And this is how most of us operate. We're always sizing everybody else up and we're relating it back to ourselves. So it, it's a very, uh, a facade way of living and it's, it's never actually true, genuine confidence. So I, I'd say for a lot of these last few, few years, my personal development has really been stepping more into that most authentic place that can't be stripped from or sizing up anybody else. And what's amazing about that is when you operate from this energetic place is you actually want to see other people win because there's not an intimidation factor. And I think not a lot of people would admit to that. Um, but this is like a lot of the people we see online, right. On social media who, um, they're attacking somebody else based off of how they look, they're putting other people down. Um, we see a ton of this online. And what's so interesting is it's so revealing always based off of where they're at with their own relationship with self based off of how they feel about themselves, because anybody who actually feels genuinely confident and has that authentic trust in themselves and, and self-love for them, doesn't feel a need to try to bring somebody else down to try to level themselves back up. So the world is a hard place. And if you're putting the world's judgment in the place of how you judge yourself, that's not a good thing to do. I mean, I think about being a single guy, going out, and just for example, because I've experienced this, some days you get three phone numbers, some days you get told like, ew, get the fuck away from me. So that is very, and your confidence and, can go very, very wild. It could really ruin the experience of where you are and what you're doing based on the opinions of somebody else. That's a, for me, that's the most primal way if I, that I can think about when you hang your hat on how somebody else perceives you. But in the same sense, I kind of live with the intention of setting an example for people, which is a little contradictory to the first thing um, where I live with intention to display really good qualities of humanity. And what's good about that is I don't let anybody's judgment of me penetrate how I live with intention. I always tell people, you must mm -hmm. live with intention because you're going to make mistakes. But as long as you know the intention was clear, there is no mistake. It was just a choice, albeit the wrong choice, but your intention was pure and correct. Does that make sense? Intention, do you mean living in values? I think, yes, I think living with 
a way that you've chosen to live. So for example, mm -hmm. I choose to live a life of serving my fellow mankind. I say my fellow man, but I mean my, my fellow human being. When I see somebody who needs me, there is not a doubt in my mind that I will be there for them. And there's mm -hmm. not a doubt in their life. As a matter of fact, probably one of the most common things you'll hear from people when people find out who some of my really close friends are because they want to know about me. And it's nice to hear back from a lot of sources that, yeah, he said, she said that you're the type of guy that at any moment would take his shirt off his back and give it to you. Mm -hmm. And like, how do you live like that? I'm like, well, that's an intentional way that I live mm -hmm. because I, it, what it brings to me is purposeful living in life. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's actually a value that you carry. Do you know exactly what that value is? I don't think it's the living intention, but one of the things that I speak to, right, is where does self-trust really come from? And one of those is based off of the reputation we have with ourself. So the past, the present, which is honoring ourselves presently, honoring what we need to do for ourselves, not people pleasing. And then the third one is living a life of values, of core values. And a lot of people aren't aware of their core values. They haven't taken a time to get clear on say, these are the things that I value most in my life. And you know what you value based off of where you spend most of your time. So, right. If you're somebody who says like, I value health, and you never find yourself really doing anything geared towards health, I would question that quite a bit. You know, for somebody who said, I value relationships, but then all of your time is geared in your work or your job, I would question that often. So what you're really speaking to about that is some kind of a value that you live your life by. And maybe it's not even a value that you're massively clear of exactly what that is. Um, one of my core values is excellence. And I think it's important to define what some of these values are. So excellence for me means being the same person in all different areas of my life, following through on the things that I say I'm going to do and acting in integrity. So those are for me, excellence. And I can also notice if I'm ever struggling with self-trust, you know, in my life or confidence, there's probably a degree of myself that's not in my core values. There's something in my life that I'm not in alignment with based off of what it is that I value. So I think that's a, something super important to get clear on. Uh, most of us have three to four core values and it creates an entire filtering system through our entire life. If we can get massively clear on what those are. How and when did you get clear on those things? I'd say it, a few years ago, going through periods in my life, struggling with confidence, tr struggling with trusting myself, going through relationships that didn't really work out. So we also have relationship values as well, too. So oftentimes, like when I wasn't clear on my core values, I could operate outside of it, right? And this can be for business even too. So for example, um, one of my values is also uh, peace. I didn't realize this was one of my core values until, um, you know, I was in a relationship where there wasn't a, a whole lot of peace ultimately in that. I had to really 
kind of realized what it was like without that to realize how much that really meant to me. But if I would have known that just say peace is one of my core values and it comes to business or it comes to relationships and I'm doing a lot of things, let's just say um, in my business, that's causing a lot of emotional turmoil or, or things like that, or even just say health is one of my core values, which it is. Health is one of my top core values, which doesn't mean just physical health. It also means mental health as well too. So if at any point in time in being an entrepreneur, my health begins to suffer, everything in my life else is going to suffer as a byproduct because I'm not living in my core values when it comes to my business. And a lot of people do this, right? They set out and they have this like grandiose vision of what it is that they want. And which is awesome. We want to have clarity of vision of what we want in a relationship, in our business, in any area of our life. But if we're not clear on those values and constantly checking in with ourselves, this is when we, I think we run into a lot of resistance in our life, a lot of friction. And we sit back and we wonder like, why isn't things working out? Why am I struggling mentally, emotionally? Why am I burnt out all the time? I know that was something for me. I used to get burnt out quite a bit in my business. You know, I run a um, multiple seven figure business with what I've created based off of my own story. And it's a health business, but I found myself getting constantly burnt out. And even my mental health began to suffer at a certain point. And once I was able to have that clarity on, okay, this is a huge core value of mine. I was able to check in with myself constantly to say, okay, I'm not in my values here. So I need to recheck myself to get myself back into alignment with myself. The relationship, now, first of all, let me say this, like you're now going into the realm that I love the most. And that is, I mean, I don't want to say I love the most, but it's one of the favorite things or my favorite things to speak about because I have so many theories on relationships and they're battle tested and they're true. So with that being said, when you said relationship, and this was something that was creating a lot of stress in your life. I want to go there for a little bit. If you're cool with that, mm -hmm. I've got to ask that beforehand. You know, you were said you're in a relationship that wasn't serving you. And this is a good point to make for everybody. So when did you realize that the relationship wasn't serving you? How is it not serving you? And now has that shifted what you look for in a relationship moving forward? I'm guessing it's a dating relationship we're talking about, correct? Yes. Okay. You know, there's been other relationships. I think it goes for any kind of relationships we have, but of course, um, emotional relationships, intimate relationships are what's going to bring up most of our stuff always and shine the biggest light on, you know, how much work we've really done. Um, what intimate relationships and your parents, you want to see like how evolved you are as a person. It's like, go spend some time a weekend with your parents and then being in an intimate relationship, you know, I think for a lot of my life too, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I've done enough work. I feel awesome. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> single, I'm living life on my own. I'm like, I feel like I'm ready to like step into a relationship. It'll be great. And then you step into it and you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, there's still some stuff there. And I think part of ownership too is realizing, you know, like we create all of our own circumstances too. So I do believe in like the law of attraction, right? So when we constantly are finding ourselves in very similar relationship dynamics, there reaches a point too, we have to ask ourselves, okay, like what is the common denominator? It's me. 
and I'm creating all of these circumstances. Right. And I think one of the biggest realizations through a lot of the work that I did is, you know, every single thing we have in our life, we have created based off of the ways in which we relate to self. So relate to self is the views that we have on ourself, which have been created typically based off on our, on our upbringing and our earliest relationships, but we have a view of ourselves. So like right now, like we're in a relationship in, in this very moment, meaning there's, views. I knew, oh, by the way, I knew this is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's views, you know, views are judgments. There's thoughts about the relationships and there's feelings about the relationship. And we create these views and we do this based off of ourself as well too. And based off of this relationship with self, we are creating all of the relationships we have and all of the circumstances we have in our life. Everything comes back to the relationship with self. Very, very true. So what was it that made you the common denominator of the sabotaging of these relationships? I will also say, right, in relationships, it's co-created too. So it's, it's never just one person but I can only take ownership over my side of the street. And the other person can only take ownership over their side of the street where most of us, right? We point the finger and we say it was their fault, right? I'm just going to find somebody better. And we never actually do the deep work to begin to heal the relationship with self. Um, right. so I, I think, I, so, I think you got to do what you go, go with yourself first where you're trying to fix a relationship because what you might find out is this relationship is no good for who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I think there is also certain things too, where often we don't actually see if we value the same things too. So in relationships, like I have core values and my person has core values. And if we value two different things, like very, very different set of values, we're going to constantly be running up against each other. And it's going to be really difficult to make that work. So I think oftentimes in, you know, early dating, um, I would choose partners who like, we had a good time, you know, they were attractive. They had something going for themselves. They were driven, which one of my core values is, is definitely drive. So like they would hit on that, but then we'd be running into other issues, whether it was like health, wasn't a priority, um, relationship maybe wasn't a, a very high up core value ultimately, and we are running into these, these things. So when you can both say like, this is what I value. This is what I value. Do these actually match? I mean, I think for a lot of couples, this would save a lot of issues in the long run, but I think for myself, you know, I, I can speak to relationships, but I can also really speak to my health. Um, because I think for a lot of my life based off of my upbringing, you know, I was operating from a place of unworthiness. And, you know, I think I said this earlier, like there wasn't a lot of self-love. There was a lot of self-hatred and I, I would have never thought that it wasn't like a conscious belief that I had. I did not go around saying like, I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. Right. But there was a unconscious meaning below awareness belief that I had carried based off of my primary relationship, which was the relationship that I had with my parents. Um, you know, I got most of attention from my parents growing up through achievement. No, I, you're going to fucking mm -hmm. say that. <laughs> I just had this conversation, the last podcast we just recorded before this. The one where you and cried? I'm like, uh, no, no, that was yesterday. 
that was what he was a psychotherapist. Uh, and I'll just intervene the conversation. People will probably hear that episode before this one was I have children and my kids are in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's probably a reason why I make them go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu for my deep-rooted childhood stuff. But they were supposed to get promoted yesterday, so they're going to get another stripe. So they have a stripe on their belt. They're supposed to get their next stripe. It's about a year in now. They're, they're eight and six. And so my the eight-year-old said to me, uh, can we get like Lemonade Prime if I get promoted today? And I said, if you think that you need to get promoted to get rewarded for the work that you're putting in, you're getting, you're getting it no matter what. You want it, we're watering it right now. I said, you don't have to win something for me to be proud of you. And I want you to know that. You keep showing up for a year, two, three days a week, doing hard work. You're going to be entitled to receiving rewards for that hard work. You don't have to. You may not get promoted tonight. And I said, and if you don't get promoted, I don't want you crying like a bitch either. Let's not have you fucking up there crying. Because it just means that there was enough kids there. He might be saving promotions for next week. I know you guys are close. Keep showing up. It's going to happen. And they're the most proud when they get that stripe on their belt because they're working for it. And they're, they like respect their, yeah. their, so I don't put achievement and you only get daddy's love when you accomplish something. You get daddy's love for being a good human being and, and working hard. It has nothing to do with winning or losing. Showing up is what I appreciate. Yeah. And that goes into your core value of intentionality. You're being intentional too with your kids on really shaping their beliefs. And I think that's also what's beautiful about what fathers get to play a role of in their kid's life. I think even nowadays where a lot of kids struggle with questioning themselves, their trust, but really their identity in a lot of ways that comes from the father, right? Um, I saw, or I heard an interesting statistic from my church, actually, Elevate Life in Frisco, Texas. And they said, um, you know, boys and girls who are raised with a single father actually turn out pretty much the same when they're raised by two parents. Now take away the father figure and the rate of, you know, um, struggle like that, that could run into. 30%, yeah, you know, the statistic that you've yeah, seen yeah, before, yeah. it's pretty insane too. So I think the role that a father plays in identity is huge. Um, my parents were absent really for most of my upbringing. My parents went through a divorce when I was younger, but it was kind of fucked up and they didn't really separate. They were still together where my mom was dating other people while we all still lived in the same home. So I had a very like warped view of relationships growing up anyway, um, listening to my mom sleep with other men in another bedroom where my dad was in the house. And my dad was like, you know, very passive type man, tail between the legs as I always really described it. Um, so I, I already had a warped view of what love actually was or, you know, in my, in my life, but also too, with both of all of that chaos going on around in my life, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of attention put on us kids. So like, I could literally be gone for days. Like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do a sleepover at my friend's house. Like, okay. And then I wouldn't come back for a week and no one would ask questions. Where were you, you know, or anything like that. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm back. Didn't anybody notice? But for a lot of my upbringing, you know, I was really praised for gymnastics, for dance. I was an athlete growing up. So a huge part of my identity has always been being an athlete. Um, so my dad would always be like, Rachel, flex your muscles, you know, and oh, Rachel, you're so beautiful. And like, right. Incredible things for a father to say to, a, to their um, daughter. 
But when you're locking that love from your parent and then you're receiving praise for just certain attributes, it creates this belief system and a way of relating to self of, oh, I am, I'm loved and I'm good enough because I am beautiful. I am loved and I am good enough because I am strong, because I am achieving, because I'm an athlete. So for me, it was really those beliefs that carried with me unconsciously through a lot of my life. And I think the first big awareness moment wasn't so much actually in a romantic relationship. That awareness came a bit later. It was really when I started to struggle with my health, right? So, so much of my identity was wrapped up in this image of, you know, I'm an athlete. My body is everything. And I had built a social media following of a quarter of a million from fitness modeling, you know, and I was the epitome of health. I was Rachel Shear's six pack abs, the cover of men's health magazine, competing, competing in bodybuilding, you know, winning first place trophies. I was competing at nationals, getting ready to go pro 10% body fat. And from the outside looking in, it was like, everybody wanted my body. Everybody would, would strive and do anything to have my body. But what was so interesting is I was actually incredibly insecure. I was very unconfident, right? Because so much of it came from this public praise and this validation, validation right? Yep, in my body and feeling like I had to be perfect, look perfect in order to receive love. And, you know, it was right before I was getting ready to go pro because that was like my dream at the time that I actually started to get really sick. Um, and I started to battle severe gut issues. And, you know, I... I was constantly bloated every single day. I looked six months pregnant. Um, I started to battle like th thyroid issues. So my thyroid plummeted. Um, I had hormonal imbalances. My hair started to actually fall out. And I had like no idea like what was happening or going on. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like the healthiest person I know relatively right of like how we really look at health too, um, just from like the physical side, because I did look healthy on the outside, but internally this was actually when I was probably the most unhealthy mentally with my relationship with self, but also too, there was that pushback from my body physically as well. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get to the root of this. And I did what most of us would do. I went to the doctor. I did all the different scans, basic blood work testing and all of that. And I just was given, you know, medications really to manage the symptoms because there was nothing like truly I'd say off or wrong. So, right. You have a low thyroid. Here's thyroid medication, hypothyroidism. Um, okay. You have, you know, hormonal imbalances. Here's birth control. Um, you know, I couldn't use the restroom anymore. So here's some laxatives and I just continue to get worse and worse. And I was eventually even sent to a colorectal surgeon who said they wanted to remove my entire large intestine because of how severe my health issues got. And, you know, I, I know I kind of like brush over that, but for me, this was like the worst and, and really rock, rock bottom place in my life where, um, I didn't really understand what was happening. I just knew my health had gone to complete shit and, you know, Western medicine was really failing me in a lot of ways based off of what the solutions they were offering. And if anybody had really taken a moment to really understand me truly, and like what was happening in my life and um, looking a little bit more extensively besides just basic blood work and testing, like it would have actually been pretty obvious. But one, I share this story 
because it's a big reason why I do the work that I currently now do. But I also, in that moment, like I was that person who was like, give me the pill, give me the medication. Like I'm sick and fucking tired of feeling the way I feel. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I wanted to just get, get on with my life. I was tired of feeling the way that I feel. So I can relate to people so much who are in that really low place, who are really struggling, who are just like, I don't want to do the work. I'm, I'm tired. Just take it all away. I was at the point where I was like, just cut out my entire large intestine, just get rid of it because of how shitty my health had gotten to. And I was that desperate. I was getting, putting on antidepressants, you know, and that was really that moment where I had a decision I could make. And it was all right, stay on these medications for the rest of your life, get your entire large intestine cut out, which I was scheduling that surgery or, you know, be willing to really lean in to do a lot of this deep inner work. And I hadn't had the awareness yet that so much of it was a lot of the internal work. I thought it was all physical. And this was really the point where I just became obsessed with learning a lot about gut health and learning about the microbiome and doing various gut healing protocols and taking more of a holistic healing approach to my health. And I would make some progress for a period of time. And then I would sort of relapse with some of my health issues and I would sort of relapse. Um, but this is ultimately what got me into functional medicine, which is now what I do today, which is taking more of a root cause approach to healing. And, you know, over the course of a year, maybe even a little bit longer, I was able to physically heal my body by taking more of a holistic approach. You know, this is looking a lot more at my nutrition. This was doing various uh, protocols for healing my gut microbiome, which is where a lot of my core issues really came from. It came from my gut. My gut was really imbalanced with the bacteria as a byproduct of um, being at a very low percent body fat, um, chronic stress, you know, when cortisol is really high, our body becomes very catabolic. It breaks down muscle tissue. The gut lining is also a muscle tissue. It's actually one cell layer thick. So it's very easily broken down, which can create leaky gut intestinal permeability. Um, so, you know, this created this perfect storm for there to be these microbiome imbalances, bacteria to overgrow. Um, metabolically, my thyroid slowed down as a byproduct of my low percent body fat. And that's what led to the overgrowth of bacteria and leaky gut. And, um, I was able to identify this more with functional medicine lab testing. Um, and then also really addressing these key root causes in my life. But I will say this and kind of bringing this back to more of the emotional side. I also had to realize that healing couldn't happen for me fully without also healing that relationship with myself because it was the place that I was operating from that created the circumstances that I was in, right? So I was operating from a place of putting my worth in all of these things outside of me, especially achievements in my body. And as a byproduct, I was hustling for my worthiness. I was striving. I was putting myself in burnout, overtraining a low percent body fat, um, and then just the emotional stress and my body reacted based off of a lot of those things combined with a lot of the things that I was just doing with my diet, um, my training. And it was when I was able to create that type of awareness of the, the view of myself 
and then really be able to heal that relationship that everything started to really fall into place. Right. And that's where also too, I talk about in my work that the whole person must heal for the gut to function optimally. And as I healed my gut, you know, everything else started to improve. My skin cleared up, my hair started to regrow. Um, you know, I was able to get off my thyroid medication, birth control, antidepressants, which is now why I take a gut centric approach to healing with all of my clients. But the gut is so interconnected with our mental health. First thing I want to say is I'm so relieved that you cursed because I thought you were like a not curser. And I'm like, oh, please, Lord, let this girl curse. Cause that's where See, like, I don't curse much. And I, I, but when I do, it's that much more of an impact. I've been told. I enjoyed it. And I can tell that your association with foul language is an emotion tied to what's really a uh, strong thing for you to talk about. So that was really it was a relief for me. Then you were like, I go to like, church. Oh, I'm like, she's not going to curse. She's like, I'm at church on Sunday. I'm like, she's not going to curse. And you start dropping F-bombs and it fucking made me just so <laughs> He's like, she's judging now. me the whole time. No. How do you feel today? And I have a really good question after that because I think I, you have recognized that my questions are pretty fucking good. But how do you feel today? That's the first one I'm starting with. Today, I feel incredible. I mean, better than I have ever felt. I think... Um, part of what makes me so good at what I do with helping other people heal and take a root cause approach to their health is really my story and everything that I've walked through. It hasn't been just, you know, a physical healing journey. It's also been an emotional healing journey. I understand what it's like to literally hate where you're at, to be stuck, to feel broken, to just want to give up, to just want to take the quick fix, take the pill and get on with your life. And I know also the work that it takes to truly take massive ownership over everything in your life and to do the work in order to heal and create the life and the health that you truly want for yourself. And that's the biggest thing that has created an incredible self-trust and confidence with myself. Because if I'm able to do that, what else can I not do in my life? Once you healed, what are some of the things that actually fell into place for you? You know, I'll break it down into, you know, the three areas most of us focus on relationships, health, and business. Um, in all of those areas, there was, you know, more of an ease in everything that I was doing. I think I spent most of my life operating from a place of fear, operating from a place of lack. And there was more of an ease. And I think for a long time, like I even feared too, like losing my edge, right? Because I had a lot of anger, like a lot of anger, like based off of my upbringing and everything. And anger can be incredibly powerful, mm -hmm. very powerful, right? Like anger is an action emotion. Like it makes you just get shit done, um, which is part of why I was able to achieve so much physically with my body. Um, and also as a big reason too, like where I had done some of the work, but I hadn't really done a whole lot, probably on the business side. And that's a whole nother story where I was getting a lot burnt out. I was able to achieve so much in, in business. So I could really apply this in so many different anger, anger areas of my life. Um, but I was operating from that place of lack and anger. And I think when I was able to release a lot of that, it was a different kind of power. 
It's a different kind of power is a power that was like a soft power, but not soft in the type of way of, you know, like weak, soft in a way of like, I can take a fucking punch, right? Like I'm soft in that way based off of what I had walked through. So it created more of this power and more of an ease in everything that I did instead of operating from fear and anxiety. So it was more of like an energetic shift, which right created different circumstances therefore in relationships and in my business and ultimately in my health. Like speaking about health, I feel like I'm in the best physical health that I've ever been in my entire life right? Which is crazy to say, because before it was like, right, Rachel, you were uh, like 10% body fat. You were shredded. I actually like the way my body looks now the very most. I still have six pack abs. I'm still incredibly shredded, but I'm not operating from a place of perfectionism because perfectionism is truly a a fear based place that we operate from. It's, it's a, it's a place of lack. I'm operating from a place of my value excellence, bringing it back to my core values. So excellence is very different. And I actually had a girl recently ask me like, Rachel, do you struggle that so many people look up to you physically in your body and aspire to have it? And I said, you know what? I would say I used to, and it would have been something I struggled with because so much of my worth was based in that. And I said, but now I'm not doing this because of I'm trying to be perfect. I'm doing this because I value excellence. And my body is a byproduct of that excellence and how I show up for myself. And it's also operating from a place of love instead of from a place of lack. So I like my body better, which is all that really matters, right? You can be shredded and physically look great. But if you don't like the way you look and you're insecure, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm adding more cuss words for you too. Every time you, so (laughs) some of the things I teach are micro-expression training. So when you understand what micro-expressions are, I read, I speed read people's faces and I can feel my micro-expressions and my slight smiles every time you curse. So like every time I hear the F word, it like literally is like, there's a micro-expression on my face. Um, I'll teach you how to speed read one day. Yeah, yeah, I'll teach you how to do this (laughs) shit. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. The value of the six pack, right? Even me, I'm guilty of it. So I'm working out in the basement yesterday and my oldest is like, we got to go to camp. It's 8.04. I'm like, bro, I got two sets left. I have a gym in my basement. I got two sets left. So I racked the entire machine for eight clean. And my son, my son's watching me. He's like, holy shit. He's like, you did the whole thing? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, how did you get so strong? I'm like, well, buddy, I've been working out for 24 years. And he's like, yeah, he's like, but you're not like super strong. And I'm like, how do you figure? <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't have a six pack. He's like, when are you going to get yourself uh, together? Here's what he tells me. When do you get yourself together and get a six pack? And I was like, I've been waiting for, I've been telling you for years, you got to get a six pack. So my kids at their young age, uh-huh. even equate health to that six the pack. Six and by the way, pack, right? even me, I'm like, oh, the gold standard. Me. If you, you're healthy, if you have a six pack, that's like the belief that we carry. Yeah. Which a lot of that can also be genetic and not in terms of body fat percentage, but also how you store your fat throughout the body. Like women actually can a lot more easily get a six pack than men because um, women store most of their fat in their lower part of their body. There's a lot more estrogen receptors there and men they're lucky and they store most of their fat in the abdomen, which is why when you see guys who get 
overweight, they have like a big old pot belly. You don't see that a lot with women until after they go through menopause. Um, typically they have like the big old booties and like the thunder thighs and cellulite. So we also they got that ass. They got that ass. They got that ass. Yeah. Wait, you're laughing at how I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do that again. Let's practice that. Um, But but, yeah, like, dude, I'm all belly. Like, so if I put weight on when I'm like, yeah, you know, I I always tell, like, when I get to like where I like the way that I look, I'm like, okay, cool. Don't fuck this up. You've been really good. Anyway, wait, here's my next question. And then we got to go into like your bio too. What are signs someone would look for when assessing themselves? on how they're living typically, or in the sense that when you were living the way and seeking outside validation for who you are. So if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm like, wait, am I like that? Like, what am I a person who is like living my life according to the judgment of everybody else? How does somebody recognize that they're not living true to themselves? I think we often get to a place in our life where we're, we're getting to like feeling stuck is probably the words I hear the most of people. Like I feel stuck. I feel like I'm blocked. I feel like I'm constantly burnt out. Right. For me, it was a lot of burnout health issues. I mean, the truth being told, typically, if there's anything in your life that you're not satisfied truly with very often, there's some unconscious belief that we carry about ourselves, typically. I'd say most of the time. So like, if you look at your relationship and you're unhappy with the intimacy you have in your relationship, your communication, you know, you're just unhappy altogether in that department. I mean, that's your first indicator. Look at your house. I mean, we we can pay attention to the fruits that we have in our life. And when we see rotten fruits, we have to ask the question of, okay, what is creating these rotten fruits? So, you know, somebody who's overweight and they're struggling with their body composition, we can see this on the extreme side, right? Most people who are choosing to eat foods that wreak havoc on their gut, their hormones, their metabolic function, causing type two diabetes, all of these health issues. There's a relationship with self and a view of self there that's operating from a place still very often of unworthiness, lack of self-love right? Because really unconsciously what they're saying is I don't love myself enough to do the things that actually are loving for myself. Right. And we give ourselves whatever excuses of like, okay, I want to enjoy myself with that. Well, sure. Enjoy yourself. But if it's actually causing damage in your life, that's not loving to you. Right. And we can look at it from like my place where I was operating from, which is a little bit more on like perfectionistic in my life. Um, and the fruits in my life were burnout and exhaustion and health issues. So I think if we can honestly take a look at our life and be radically honest with ourselves, and I think that's also too, what we struggle with the most is being radically honest with ourselves and say, what are the rotten fruits in my life? What are the fruits that I do not like relationship, my health, my work, my business. Why do I always struggle? Why am I always just barely making ends meet? Why am I living paycheck to paycheck? Is it, is it really everybody else around you? Or is it really the view of self and the beliefs that you carry? So if you, if you say you love your life and everything about your life, I'd say, awesome. You've done some really good work, but if you can truly get real with yourself and say, I'm not happy 
in this area, then that's a sign of there's some deep work to do. Do you think we will ever be completely secure as human beings? Or do you think we always carry some kind of insecurity? Because I mean, I'm the first to tell you I have insecurities as well. There's no question about it. But I also think that I'm pretty well grounded, but I'm also very insecure. And I think that that's created through, again, life experiences, significant traumas, I think create the most insecurities for me. Mm-hmm. And this is not about me today. So we'll keep it with you. But think about that. Do we ever think that we'll be completely secure or is there always going to be some kind of insecurity, albeit very large or very minimal? I think it's a yes and a no. And I'll, I'll say why both, because I think healing, it, we don't get to a place where we're like, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm done doing the work. Like that doesn't ever exist. It's healing for a reason. And we're going to continuously be doing that in our life. And I think the same things keep coming up, right? Based off of the things that we worked through and on our belief, right? They're never really anything that's new. It's typically like, okay, it's unworthiness or it's, it's, you know, um, lack of self-love, like the same things based off of these core things that have happened in our life often come up. Now we can create awareness from that and heal based off of a certain level that we're at. What do I mean by that? So for a long time, public speaking for me, biggest fear ever. Like I, I'm very introverted. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. Um, I, I speak because I believe in the work that I do and the message. And I know that it's able to impact a ton of people, but honestly, I would rather be at home, not speak, not do any of that. Um, but it didn't fit with the life that I wanted for myself. So for me, this has had to been a skill that I've had to develop over time by constantly making myself uncomfortable. Now, early on, right. We could say also too, that speaking came from a fear based off of a view of myself that I, I had that whether like there was other views I had of like, I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. Who am I? Right. All worth beliefs that I had. And I could do a lot of the work to heal and now get up on stage and speak to, you know, 500 people. Awesome. I've done a level of healing at this place. But when I want to up level in my life, right? I want to continuously grow and pursue greater and bigger things. It's very likely that it, that insecurity is going to come back with that core belief. And all of a sudden I get to speak in front of 5,000 people and not 500 people. You think that insecurity might come up again for sure? right? I felt good at this level. Like I, I had kind of nailed that. I'd worked a lot on it. I've I'd done a lot of the healing. So I really like to reframe it too. And it's so important to continuously doing a lot of the deep healing work, but also that reframe is anytime you are up leveling in your life, there's going to be more layers that you get to peel back. And that's what growth is. Growth is continuously making yourself uncomfortable, doing things that, you know, there's probably a lot of fear around. You probably aren't going to have the belief immediately whenever you do them. But as you continue to step into that and you give yourself evidence based off of your past, right? The reason why I can be confident, like I'm, I truly believe I can do anything that I want to do. I truly believe that because I created a reputation with myself. You know, I've not been the best speaker. I've not been the best athlete, even though I was an athlete growing up, I was probably always like the, the average person, 
but I learned if I wanted it enough, I could work hard enough to get it. I proved that with myself, with my health, when my health was struggling. So I've created over time, this reputation with myself and this belief of, you know what? I may not be good yet. Now there may be fear there in certain beliefs that I carry right now, but it doesn't mean that's always going to be there. So I'm willing to lean into that uncomfortability and that discomfort, which in turn creates confidence based off of that reputation. But there's also this um, beautiful allowing of what is there to be there and not having to act on it in that moment. Meaning I don't have to allow maybe that insecurity of me speaking to 5,000 people inhibit me or immobilize me from doing it. It may be there and I can allow it to be there, but I actually can have ownership for it being there while I continue to move forward despite and knowing that as a byproduct of me leaning into it, I'm going to reach a new level of healing with myself. A lot of this, we started talking about relationships to begin with. And that was kind of the core foundation of where our conversation continued on. So after your healing, being that prior to your healing, relationships were an issue, one of the three issues you regarded earlier. But my question is now, after the process, what does the ideal person look like for you to date? Have you reverse engineered that at all? Mm -hmm. One, you know, it's, are we in alignment with what it is that we value? That's going to be always the first question that I ask myself. Like there's, there's, there's the non-negotiables and there's also the, the have to haves, um, the non-negotiables or the like to have, sorry. Um, and the non-negotiables are those core values. What are those? Let's list them. Health, excellence, peace, and purpose are my core values. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very, not a very common thing to find in the world, correct? Is somebody who has core values? No, but matches those core values because those ones are very unique. There has to be an, an emulation of those core values, at least. I don't think it, for example, oh, an excellence is another one of mine too. So like someone could have a core value of drive and that could fit into that definition of, in, in a way, excellence. So you also need to be clear on the definition of it because I could say excellence and somebody else has a different core value. But when we get very clear on what that really actually means, there is actually an alignment there. Is it excellence as a human being for you? Just excellence in everything that you do, right? And excellence doesn't mean like you are insanely successful. You're making X amount of money. It means that you're somebody who follows through on the things that you say you're going to do. You know, you're, you're a person of integrity. Your word matters. Like that's excellence. So there's a lot of people who can have a core value of excellence, but if I were to say excellence, I'm like, that's not my core value, right? Well, if, if I'm with somebody who doesn't follow through on the things that they say they're going to do, that doesn't have integrity, it's, it's probably not going to work, right? So for me, like peace is like lightness and play, you know, that's really important to me. So if the other person like doesn't value 
lightness and play. And there is always an intensity and like a pressure and a control. And that's just something that they don't care for. Like for me, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I think that's important for people. You know, I imagine that we live similar lifestyles. So when I'd imagine a good fit for somebody who lives a lifestyle like myself or you, I think disengaging from this at some level is important to go find playful peace and relaxation and not having the added pressure of you're the same person here that you are behind closed doors. So I think that that's an important thing, the playfulness where you can unwind and relax with somebody, especially when you're a high achiever. Does that make sense? So it's like you could have different words, right? But we create different definitions. And then is there an overlap in that meaning based off of what we value? So that would be like, number one, that's your filtering system. And then two, for me, it's like somebody who has done a lot of their own deep inner work. Like I'm at a point in my life, like I'm not here to try to mommy, anybody, babysit, anybody, rescue anybody, rescue Rescue. anybody. Like I I've done enough work on myself. And I also, uh, I know my worth and I know my value where I'm not willing to settle for anything less than. And I think when you are fully authentically, you know, happy with who you are in your life, um, it's going to take somebody that's pretty fucking great to meet and rise to the occasion. I been, I do give a lot of advice here. We have a younger staff. And so my advice to them is when they are dating, I'm like, guys, let's, let's just start with this. I said it before in the podcast, let's play this game. You're talking to God and God says to you, I'm ready to create somebody for you. What would you like? And then write those things down. And we're going to go over this. This is like an exercise we do. I'm like, and let's go over these things. And so like the first person that did, it's like, I want somebody who's driven, successful, not lazy, funny. Uh, physical appearance is fine too. That's got to count. That's clearly a, a, an important thing. So add all those things in. And so the first person said, this is what that would be. And I go, okay, so now we know what the standard is. When you start to deviate from your standard, you are selling yourself short and you're setting yourself up for failure. And your failure will not come maybe in the beginning, maybe it will, but often this failure will come later on in life where you're going to pay significant consequences for that fail, for that inability to apply the discipline of this is the criteria. If you're not meeting it, you're not getting in here. But do you know what people fail to do also in that? They don't actually make sure that they are that as well. Right. Correct. So you That's people right. will have an insanely high standard of what they want and they're not emulating a lot of the things that they ultimately That's want. Correct. So like, that's, that's right. number one. Like, I think too, when people create that list, they have to first turn around and ask themselves, okay, am I all of these things? Right. And if I'm not, I have zero right to be asking for these things. For sure. I agree hundred percent. You are hundred percent right. We could even break it down to physical appearance. If you want to get very, I don't want to say, cause I don't think physical appearance is a surface level thing. I think it's actually deep and intrinsic in some sense. People tend to label it as surface level. You only care what they look like. That's not true. If you're looking for a successful relationship to occur, you're going to have to take into account, do I find this person physically attractive? Because that is an important thing in a relationship. When there's not that, you are going to have infidelity. I promise you that. It has nothing to do with me. 
I see it. I watch it all the fucking time. I see people do it. So it's no different than being somebody who is completely out of shape and think you command a supermodel girlfriend or vice versa, right? You're not going to have Chris Hemsworth as your boyfriend if you are sitting around and you're 150 pounds over, overweight, you don't exercise and you're a bum. You're right. You can't expect you to be realistic with your expectations. So do you think self-improvement in some sense is a way to lead yourself down a path to find the things that you're looking for in this one space of life relationships or dating relationships or life partners or whatever it may be? Yes. And it also makes it that much harder too. No shit. Because the rarer you are, the rarer the person is that you're looking for too. Dude, let let me tell you something. Like I 100% understand that a thousand times over. And that kind of leads me to like your social circle. I wrote that down. Like, tell me about who you socialize with. Obviously you're introverted. You want to stay home in your five car garage and just be a baller, which is dope. But like, what's your social circle look like? So when you're somebody who's different than everybody else and you are essentially living a life that's very different than most people, majority of society, not only does your dating pool, if you're holding yourself to your standard, begin to reduce on who your options are because you're holding these standards near and dear to your heart. You're employing the discipline to not give up on what you believe your value is and who you're looking to give that to and and essentially trade value in some sense, but then also your social circles also change because you're not like everybody else. So what are your social circles look like? Small. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, my social circle is very small. Um, and, and before I dive into that real quick, I have a great story. It's a short story, but I remember mm-hmm. um, when I was doing coaching, she's like a therapist slash coach, but more on the coaching side, coaching is a bit more action oriented. Um, and I was like going through what I wanted in a partner and getting clear on a lot of that. She, you know, there was somebody I was kind of dating, knew at dating at the time. I know and, what you're going to say, but I, I know exactly yeah, where you're going with this. Yeah. The light bulb met, went off. Go ahead. Well, he met a lot of my criteria, like in there, it was good. Like there was like one of those things where I'm like, I mean, he meets a lot of it. it it's really, really good ultimately. And, um, but there wasn't like the hell yes, this is the person, but there was also nothing wrong either too, where oftentimes like we wait for something to be wrong to decide that this isn't the person. And I think that's actually even more risky because we're just like, not good enough, right? And my coach said to me, she's like, you know, there are certain people that you will meet and that you could marry and you would have an okay rate, okay relationship with them. You'd make it work. And then like as a pyramid kind of going up a bit, there's certain people you'd meet and you could marry and you would have, a good relationship. You'd have a good marriage. You truly would have a good marriage. She's like, and then there's also people that you'd meet and you're a very small amount of these people you'd meet and you would have a great marriage. You would have a great marriage. And she's like, and Rachel, I know the person that you are and what you've said that you want. You're not after good. You're after great. And it was in that moment, she said that to me. I was like, okay. And I, I had to, you know, and the relationship, it was still really early yep. on. Um, but I, I couldn't let good be the enemy of great. I think that's a book too. 
but I had to make that decision. You know, I, I wanted great and I didn't want to settle for good ultimately. And, um, now I'm forgetting your next question, but that was my story. What I'm going to, I'm going to elaborate <laughs> on that because I haven't experienced it as well. Right. So, you know, the pain, I just gave this conversation to a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, people know I talk about old Jay. She's my videographer. She was, she doesn't work the company anymore, but still like we do everything together. She's like my best friend, like my little sister. We just, it's a lot of love. And, you know, I said to her, because she wasn't employing good discipline in her dating life, and now she is, I said, dude, being single is fucking painful. It is the place that people fear the most because it fucking sucks. Because you don't know how much energy and effort you should put into it. You don't know if serendipity is going to actually, which I think it always does happen serendipitously in some sense. That's just how life works. But the people who make the biggest mistakes are the ones who settle. And the people who will come out and actually experience a life filled with love in a relationship will experience a life that most will never know. And I have to tell you, it's worth the pain to know what that feels like. I promise you that. So while it's hard to make these decisions now, you'll be thankful later on because you were available to find that little percentage of people that was the greatness. And I got to tell you, I think the word great undermines what love actually is. You know, it looks different for everybody. And there's also not a, a right and a wrong way. And I think the biggest thing, even for myself is getting to a place where I'm just fully content in my life with where it is right now. Right. Because right now is all we truly actually have. Like, I think we can think about like the future and what we want. And I'm somebody who always is going to be having goals and ambitions and thinking about that. But also there's really just the ability to be fully happy and present with where we're at in our life. And also to be able to look back and have gratitude. Like if it wasn't for also to a lot of relationships I've been in, I wouldn't be the person that I am here today. And I'm sure that you can say the exact same thing. So there's also what's empowering is getting to the place where you can just have so much gratitude. And that's what I'm really hearing from you is just like a lot of gratitude and love. Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out. Go give us a follow. I am constantly trying not to judge people. It's like, a, it's a practice. Yeah. And it creates a lot of empathy for people who have trauma um, and I've walked through that and I even sometimes like to change the wording. It's not that like they have traumas that they went through trauma because sometimes we become so attached to with the trauma and it, we create it as identify with it. our identity. Yeah, yeah. Like this is mine. And, um, it becomes so much of who we are. It's something mm -hmm. that we went through and it's something that doesn't have to control our life. However, right. If we are, we can create the awareness. And I think that's the first step is like awareness of this is really influencing my life. Like I said earlier, like there's some rotten fruits in my life. Like that's a powerful place to be because most people are unconscious and they're not even a place of where they have that awareness. So like, that's a powerful place to be because when you're aware of it, you're not identified with it and you're no longer in the program too. Cause a lot of us are just following a program, um, that we're, we have no idea that we're following and then I think from there, you know, we can create 
some of the disidentification from it, but it, it takes a lot of work is from somebody who knows, um, and someone who also like my father suffers with his mental health. Um, that's what also led to the separation of my mom and she made her own poor decisions and a lot of that, but my dad, um, I've watched his mental health decline, uh, slowly over the years where he actually was homeless at a certain point in his life. And, um, just unable to take care of himself physically, mentally is physical health deteriorating. And, um, it's, it's been one of the hardest things to ever have to watch. Um, but also like trying to really understand somebody who's struggling with mental health. It's, it's difficult. And I do think a lot of mental health issues do that. Um, people struggle with today is really just a byproduct of unaddressed trauma that they really haven't dealt with. And someone like my dad is he was, uh, you know, you get so caught up in the pain that sometimes we can even almost disidentify so much and create an alternate reality. And it's not a conscious choice that we do, but you know, the pain's so deep that we can't bear to be in it anymore. And I watched that happen to my dad after the divorce and a lot of his mental health decline. And it's been really, really sad. And so I'm a big advocate, you know, for healing. And I think it's been because of my own story, my own struggles, my own family and watching my dad and his mental health really decline and, um, really struggling to know how to help somebody in that state, especially when somebody's that far in it and not really knowing how to talk to them, even at times, uh, as you would with somebody who's cognitively all there and on a, a similar level. So I think it's just a big call to action on this podcast today is, you know, if it, this resonated with anybody to they'd be willing to do a lot of the deep work. And if something resonated, there's probably a call to action there. If you're listening, like if there was something that just like struck a chord based off of what you're walking through in your life, you know, be willing to, to lean in, get curious, ask questions, seek help. I've worked with many different coaches over the course of the years. I've gone through therapy. Um, I, I I've done probably it all. I've done the functional medicine approach, you know, healing my physical health. So I'm just a big advocate for healing in general, and you can frame it in any way, right? Personal development. It's the same thing as healing. It's uh, stepping into greater versions of ourselves. Do you think that you still are guarded in some sense, or do you think you have really in every aspect of your life accomplished vulnerability? Cause I feel like you're guarded in some sense. I'm sure there's areas I'm guarded in. Yeah. Yeah. There's every body language. And I hate when I go to therapy and they fucking do it to me. And I'm like, I know I'm <laughs> fucking doing this right now. <laughs> right. Like I'm sorry. Like I know what you're doing. I know the therapist, all they do is read body language and they fucking go to those places. Um, you know, this is saying that I go by and as I sit here and you talk and I'm listening, I'm like, man, I do have fear. I think I'm just like everybody else. I do have fear, but I don't let those fears control me. And many years ago, I came up with this saying in my own mind. I actually wrote it down. We had it written on the wall like two offices ago. And it said, although I have fear, I am not afraid. So what that means and what it translates to is we never get rid of the fear in our lives. I don't think we ever do. But we learn how to dance with it or at least conquer it. So I don't let fear dictate anything that I do in my life. As a matter of fact, I use it as a compass. If I'm scared of it, if it feels uncomfortable, I go right for it. That's where I'm going. Because I don't know what it would have been if I didn't go. I do this all the time. 
because sometimes the best things in my life, or many times the best things in my life are the things that I was scared of the most. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. You just, you gotta recognize the world is a fucking crazy place, but there are these beautiful things that are right in front of your face that you never even notice are there mm -hmm. until you fucking look for them. And so in all this shit that I've been going through, I've been finding my kids don't fulfill certain parts of my life, but, but they certainly remind me why everything's going to be okay. Just look at them. It's really cool shit. It's a beautiful place to lean into. You know, I don't have kids, but it's something that I definitely know, like is a part of my, part of my future that I aspire to have one day, but I can definitely connect to that. And we're always like trying to look for these extraordinary moments, these extraordinary moments of like, okay, I want to recreate this extraordinary moment. Well, you're not gonna, because you didn't try to create that extraordinary moment. We're not trying to force something, make something happen. And it's like going back to relationships too. It's, it's often, I feel like as soon as we get to the point in our life where we're truly authentically like happy, like you can want something and desire for something like nothing wrong with that, I believe, but to feel like you need, you have to have, you're lacking. It's a very different energy place. And it just same with your kids, right? It's like you, you look at them every single day. You just feel like in the small moments, like what makes them so happy and so much gratitude. And it's really about those moments. And it's like finding hey. those moments and instead of like forcing those moments. I think finding is a little different than seeking in this, in a sense, because sometimes we don't realize that we can just open our eyes and start to look around and really appreciate the things that we do have. That's what I mean by world. finding. Yeah. yeah. I think just look just, just take a look, man. There's so many great things in your life and there's so many bad things too. There that's are. That's how you get out of fear. So it's like, I just don't want yeah. to dictate me. I, yeah, you do get out of fear, but like, I, I, I think I've just learned to have so much emotional intelligence around what fear actually is. And so for me, I think it comes off very pompous at times that I'm so calm when others are so panicked. And the people that know me the best know that that has nothing to do with it, that, that I'm really just that much in control of a situation because I can control my emotions. But I have emotions, right? Like I just, I do, I just understand them and I don't let... Yeah. We believe Yo, I have a weird question at the end. How old are you? 30. Okay. You've accomplished a lot for 30. I have I've accomplished really more good. than I ever thought I would. Um, where can people find you? Let's do that. I always forget to do that. Where can people find Rachel Shear? Probably everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Instagram is at Rachel Shear. And then my practice is at Rachel Shear Nutrition. That's where we do all the functional medicine testing. And then my podcast is the Sheer Madness podcast. Seriously, if you ever need anything from us, anything we could do for you, uh, we'd love to help. And if you want to get together again, be more than happy to do that. And uh, it was really fucking awesome meeting you. You're really a very unique person. Thank um, you. I think you're a gift to the world. I'm thankful today that I got to meet you in the sense of just meeting another human being who I think is really doing amazing shit. Thank you for having I'll me see on. You later. Yeah, it's great. Bye. Bye.
Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at streetcop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you, you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at streetcop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.